Take away, 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 top ten takeaways. Yeah. Get fired up. Get fired up for some takeaways. Takeaway number one, which does not count as a takeaway. Uh, this was the worst week for the underworld. By far and away, the worst week for our rankings, the worst week for our lineup genius, just the worst week overall for the NFL. The fewest points scored on a per-game basis. It was a shit show out there. We had Dak Prescott out for the year. I mean, not good. Not good. And I think I just used profanity in the first minute of the show. So it's going to be demonetized. This is the third consecutive week that the Top 10 Takeaway show is being demonetized because I cursed in the first 60 seconds. Fuck! Damn it! Again! But this is not an excuse to wallow. We need to celebrate Travis Fulgham! Travis Fulgham! He was rising up the Dynasty rankings last week because we like his profile, just didn't quite believe that the Eagles used playerprofiler.com. Like, oh, it's three targets. You know, he had, he had one big play on three targets. Like, just let's wait until the Eagles show us what their real plans are for Travis Fulgham, and, and we'll see what happens, right? Because the week before, remember, in week four, Donovan Peoples-Jones was operating as the third receiver. He wasn't getting many targets, if any. But it's like, oh, let's see what the Browns have in store for Donovan Peoples-Jones. This could be interesting. He's athletic. And then, never mind. It's Rashard Higgins is the number three. And they, one route in week five for Mr. Donovan Peoples-Jones. So you, you, you never know. You never know. You can't Unless you're in the room, right? Unless you're in the room with the Eagles coaches as they drop the game plan. You, you don't know. You don't know what they're going to do week to week. So we were like, okay, promising. We like the profile, 6'2", 215, best comparable to Michael Gallup, right? We like that. And he was sharing a field at Old Dominion with another quality receiver, a guy that was at least on a practice squad for a couple of years in uh, John Duhart. He just didn't have the athleticism, right? Didn't have the athleticism that Fulgham had. And that's what got Fulgham drafted. Fulgham goes in the sixth round. Duhart doesn't get drafted. Because Duhart's athleticism was checking in around the 45th percentile, whereas Fulgham, he was up there 65th percentile speed score, 69th percentile agility score, 72nd percentile burst score. So this guy is a real athlete. I mean, he has a really big catch radius because he has the long arms, he's tall, and then he was able to tr so translate all of that onto the field on Sunday, and it was impressive. I mean, if you look at what he did, he ran 34 routes, so the routes were way up. The target rate, right, so 10 targets on 34 routes, that's a 38.2% target rate. That's impressive. And he put up 152 receiving yards, which is actually the most since Deshaun Jackson last year. Week one, Deshaun Jackson went nuclear, was the wide receiver two that week. Sammy Watkins was the wide receiver one, going in the way back machine. Best week for an Eagles wide receiver since Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, it was cool. But it, it was not a fluke because if you look at how they used him, they used him like one of these queen chess piece X receivers. He was a floating X. He was flip-flopping on both sides of the formation, and then they were also sliding him into the slot. When it, they went to four receiver sets, he was in the slot. They were moving him all around. Half of his production actually came out of the slot against one of the best slot corners, Mike Hilton. So he was 
doing all of his damage against uh, Joe Hayden. Pretty good, right? Steven Nelson, pretty good. These are both top 40 cornerbacks, plus Mike Hilton, one of the best slot corners. I mean, one of the reasons why you weren't playing him this week, even in deep leagues, is because they were going against Pittsburgh. So it was like, okay, this is a difficult matchup. It didn't matter. He just, they decided that he was going to be the focal point of the offense. It wasn't going to be Greg Ward, finally. Like, fine. thank you. Thank you, NFL teams. Stop featuring your replacement level slot receiver and feature guys like Fulgham that have size and speed and athleticism and they were productive going back to their time in college. Even sharing a field with Duhart, he put up over 1,000 yards in his final season at Old Dominion. I think if, if Duhart were not there, that Fulgham would have probably got drafted earlier because he would have been more productive. But finally, right, finally getting a chance and really an indictment of Matt Patricia. They had this guy on the roster. And if he has this skill set, the idea that you would go out and sign Danny Amendola for $5 million in punting Travis Fulgham back to the marketplace and letting him sign with Philadelphia, it's just, that's how bad franchises stay bad. If you just keep churning the back of your roster, upgrading, 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 upgrading at value, bringing in guys like Fulgham and not signing roster cloggers like Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola is the classic dynasty roster clogger. You wouldn't want that guy in your dynasty team at any cost. It's actually a negative cost because he doesn't produce, and then there's a carrying cost of the the opportunity you're losing by not having a possible breakout wide receiver, whether it be even a fringy guy like a Cedric Wilson or Travis Fulgham. There's a negative cost to having a guy like Danny Amendola. But that's, listen, this is what they do. Right? This is what the Lions do, and this is why the Lions are going to stay bad for a very long time because the back of the roster is weak, and then as you as injuries accumulate on both offense and defense, suddenly these backups are thrust into starting roles, and then all of a sudden you have Bo Scarborough out there. Right, You have these offensive linemen that are just getting absolutely mauled at the point of attack, and you have guys like Damian, like last year, Right? Oh, oh, we have an injury. Now it's Brandon Powell. And it's like, no, man, no, not Brandon Powell. Get him out of there. You could have had Fulgham. And some players like Travis Fulgham never make it. Like they just go to a Lions and they go to another team that doesn't appreciate them. And then they're out of the league. And it's like, what could have been? Well, we don't know. The fortunate thing is now we know with Fulgham. Now we know we've seen it. We've seen it. And when you go to his profile on player profile, even before week five, you thought, geez, this is a guy with a lot of potential. This is why I added him in a bunch of dynasty leagues and why he rose up our dynasty rankings quickly. I can't believe that other dynasty ranking services are allowed to exist with stale content, with stale rankings where where there is no, where's Fulgham? I don't see Fulgham anywhere. Where is he? Oh, we, oh, we, you know, we update our rankings every month, every month. We update them every week at player. How could you not? How could you not? Because just like NFL franchises need to be constantly churning and upgrading the back of their roster, so must dynasty leaguers. God, it's just it 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 pains me in a way that's not painful at all. I love it. I love that this is the other option. The other option out there are are rankings from September. Yeah, or or player profilers dynasty rankings. Playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. That that those I think pretty easy choice. Pretty, pretty easy choice. But I believe because he was not just posted up at one position, the fact that Fulgham was running routes out of the slot at X, everywhere, right? He was everywhere. 
And yet they, they kept Hightower posted up at Z. They kept Ward at Y. And then they just had Fulgham floating. To me, that tells me that A, he has a robust route inventory and that he's trusted by the, by the coaches to deliver and be where he needs to be because the route tree of a flanker on the right side is very different from the route tree of an X on the left side is different than a Y receiver. And the fact that he's running these routes, option routes and double moves, it's like, whoa, whoa, on both sides of the formation, whoa, right? Whoa, that's not, this is more than just, oh, there was no one else to throw to and he was just there against some soft secondary and he got open underneath a lot of zone coverage. I know they play a lot of zone in Pittsburgh, but... But, 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 it's a quality secondary. So in context, looking beyond the box score at how he was used and how successful he was against particular defenders, it tells me that this guy is a good player and that he will rise up even further on the dot. Because there's no way we could have known, right? No one could have known he's this, but we will adjust very quickly. It's within days that our dynasty rankings are updated as opposed to weeks or months for everybody else. And we're going to need to continue to push up Chase Claypool. I am impressed. How could you not be impressed by this guy, even though he did not produce until very late in his college career? He does not look like any successful wide receivers that we know of. So like our breakout finder really relies on comps, size, athleticism, production profile. Came up empty with Chase Claypool. Very few receivers are that big with that production profile. A guy like Brandon Marshall, he was more productive in college. It's who, you know, Kelvin Benjamin maybe. It's not great. Like, like The list isn't great of comps for Chase Claypool. So I've been skeptical, but he keeps delivering. Right. Deontay Johnson goes down after five plays and in steps Claypool. And with, with Johnson gone, all the slot work, 100 percent, went to Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster ran only one route on the outside, one, a single outside route. So I guess it wasn't 100. It was more like 98 percent. Right. It was 98 percent of his action was out of the slot. So that's it's good news for Juju Smith-Schuster, of course, losing Deontay Johnson, a guy with a similar skill set that succeeds in a similar area of the field. And I hope that Deontay Johnson is back sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, you have to respect Claypool. He's looking like this year's DK Metcalf. He's, he is. I mean, he was not nearly as impressive at an early age as Metcalf was. He's not the athlete that Metcalf is, but you can't argue with what he's doing. I mean, he is making big plays on the outside. He's breaking tackles after the catch and taking those catches for touchdowns. So he's getting huge air yards and huge yak. That's how you can post 20-plus yards per reception with both air yards and yak, and that's how he's doing it. So we respect Chase Claypool. I hope, I sincerely hope that he is for real. He necessarily is going to be moving up the dynasty rankings. We're going to see what he is. I, I hope, I, I I want him to be good. I, I, I know you think, you know, no, you were not as high on him. You were higher on CeeDee Lamb and LaVisca Chenault. The breakout finder had those two receivers, one, two. You also like Ragor, right? You mean, come on, you like Brian Edwards. What happened? What happened to Brian Edwards? What happened to Brian? I think Brian Edwards is still going to happen, right? I think Ragor's going to happen. 
We were higher on Justin Jefferson. Sorry, not sorry, right? Claypool hasn't had a week like Justin Jefferson had a couple weeks ago. Come on now. Come on. But that's right. That's right. We're going to have to practice our Bayesian process and continue to reassess Chase Claypool because he is unprecedented. And those players require more on-the-fly analysis. And the same is true for an unprecedented running back like a Mike Davis, right? Mike Davis, I heard that we were in need of an L. Take the L on Mike Davis. Take the L on Mike Davis. Like, take the L on Mike Davis? What do you mean take the L on Mike Davis? We've been talking honestly about Mike Davis from the beginning. No one was super bullish on Mike Davis. I mean, I looked. I looked across the internet. Who was super bullish on Mike Davis? Nobody, right? How could you be? How could you be? But I will say, if you look back to last last year, uh, the Bears did use him in the passing game in week one. Seven targets in week one. Seven targets in week one, and then it became the David Montgomery show, and that has not been good for anybody. But throughout his career, Mike Davis, go back to his time at South Carolina, 11% target share, 80th percentile target share at South Carolina. When he has been the starting running back, he's commanded significant targets, whether it be in Chicago, in Seattle, and now, more than ever, in Carolina. Now, why so many targets in Carolina? Now, another 10 targets last week, right? It's crazy. I mean, also, the high catch rate, right? Catching 30 of 33 targets. I mean, he's doing a great job. He's not dropping passes. He's not, damn it, Ronald Jones. The guy has been efficient. What else can you say, right? The guy's been efficient, but he's been a quality receiver going all the way back to his time in college. And if we had had more time in the wake of the Christian McCaffrey injury to do a deep dive into Mike Davis, would we have suggested that you bid more than 10% of your budget on him? Yeah. From $10 out of 100, probably would have boosted it up to $25 out of 100 to make sure you got him because he's the reason a lot of fantasy teams have winning records right now. It's Mike Davis. In fact, if you had zero, if you went zero RB, then if you don't have Mike Davis, you're completely fucked. And one of the reasons why Mike Davis has been so successful is Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater has learned from one of the best screen game quarterbacks in the league. Drew Brees, over the last decade, has targeted running backs more than any other quarterback, second only to Phillip Rivers. Just looking at the last two seasons, so the last 21 games, Phillip Rivers has targeted running backs an astounding 30% of the time. That's because his arm is now weaker, right? Some would say he's dust. Drew Brees, 24%. Any number over 25% is extraordinary. It is an incredibly high running back target rate. Teddy Bridgewater has targeted running backs since he came back from the knee injury in New Orleans last year and this year with Carolina, 26% of the time. 26% running back target rate is incredibly high. So it's a confluence of factors. It's the fact that Mike Davis has always been a good receiver going back to his time at South Carolina. And it's that Teddy Bridgewater has heavily targeted running backs his entire career in the NFL. And yes, if we could go back in a time machine just for these three weeks, just, you know, maybe Christian McCaffrey's back this week. I think at the time we projected Christian McCaffrey to return in week six, just for these three weeks of RB1 production, that would have been worth at least 25% of your budget, not 10%. So there, absolutely, we will take the L and 
look back in hindsight with the goal of learning, like just to look back in hindsight to told you so someone or to victory lap or to mock someone's projection for being inaccurate is stupid. It doesn't help anybody. That's why it's stupid and it's, it's useless. But if you are looking at a performance and then looking back in hindsight to what was the analysis at the time and how could it have been improved, the way to improve it would have been to say, hey, Mike Davis is not a replacement level running back. Mike Dave, which the NFL is, see, the NFL said that Fulgham is replacement level, right? The NFL said Mike Davis is replacement level, just kicking him from team to team every year, giving him a few targets in week one, and then just relegating him and saying, never mind, Mike, we don't need you anymore. Same thing happened in Seattle. Same thing's been happening to his entire career. He's 28 years old. And the same thing's been happening to Travis Fulgham, who's 25 years old. Because why? They weren't day one, day two picks. Guys like Chase Claypool, boom, they get opportunity right away. Oh, no. Oh, Deontay Johnson. He hurt his back. Oh, come on in, Claypool. Come on. Come on. Where Fulgham, they can't even call him in because he's on the practice squad, right? So with Mike Davis, when you look past the signals the NFL is putting out about a player, and you actually zoom all the way out and say, oh, wow, going all the way back to South Carolina, this guy was heavily involved in the passing game. And look who his quarterback is. He involves running backs in the passing game. Going back to his time in New Orleans, you look at the full picture, you zoom out, and you're able to analyze these players with more clarity. And unfortunately, when you're submitting waiver wire bids and you have 48 hours to figure out how to prioritize players, it's just not enough time. There's a lot of information coming at us. We have 32 teams. We have 16 games. And sometimes we're not able to zoom all the way out on every player. And instead, we just fall back on. And this is every analyst. This is not just me. This is me the least, right? We do this the least. We are known for zooming out and not using the NFL draft or the sentiments expressed by NFL teams as a placeholder for our own analysis. But every single analyst is guilty of this, right? Oh, Leonard Fournette gets caught. That means he stinks. No, it doesn't mean he stinks. Oh, uh, Mike Davis has been kicked around the NFL from team to team. That means he stinks. No, he doesn't stink. Oh, Travis Fulgham was released by the Lions. He's not going to make it. That's not necessarily true, right? So again, what this does is reinforces the notion that we need to think for ourselves, and we can't let the NFL do our thinking for us. That's the takeaway. That's the real lesson learned from the Mike Davis experience this year. And it's interesting to look at the teams with the most running back targets so far this year. It's the Buccaneers. It's the 49ers. It's the Raiders and Josh Jacobs, Panthers and Saints. So the Saints, predictable. Panthers, predictable. Phillip Rivers still has a high rate targeting running backs, but he just doesn't have enough attempts. Like, they're such a slow team. They run slow. They run a lot of run plays. So it's slow-paced, run-heavy. So there's just not enough attempts to really jack up the running back targets, which is one of the reasons why Jonathan Taylor has fewer than 15 fantasy points per game. But another team that is close, who was top 12, and a team that, a quarterback that I believe is going to be Teddy Bridgewater's Philip Rivers. So if Teddy Bridgewater is the next Drew Brees, one of the best screen game quarterbacks in the league, if he's taking that mantle from Drew Brees, who's taking the mantle from Philip Rivers? I believe it's going to be Gardner Minshew because Gardner Minshew targeted Leonard Fournette 
100 times last year. And he's already targeted James Robinson more than anyone could have possibly projected. And James Robinson is a, a rookie from Illinois State. So I believe if you did airdrop an experienced target magnet running back on the Jaguars that Gardner Minshew would be peppering that guy with targets. So in the future, when projecting running back production over a full season, if that running back is tethered to a Teddy Bridgewater, to a Gardner Minshew in the future, these are guys that we need to elevate in the projections and in the rankings. And notice the Buccaneers, number one, Tom Brady is also an excellent screen game quarterback. You cannot forget James White has a 123 target season. He is one of the league leaders in single season running back targets in the history of the NFL. Takeaway number five, six. I don't know how many takeaways we're at right now. There's a lot of takeaways just in the last however long we've been doing this. 23 minutes. C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is on track to be generational. Most receiving yards by a wide receiver through their first five games since 1990. Pro football reference, right? Started in 1990, started collecting stats. Anquan Bolden, number one. Randy Moss, CeeDee Lamb. Wow, right? And then A.J. Green, Andre Johnson, right? Bolden, Moss, Green, Johnson. That's the company that CeeDee Lamb is keeping, and that's why it makes sense that he would be our wide receiver one in Dynasty. Who else would be the wide receiver one in Dynasty? Who else could be our wide receiver one? I mean, it's not even possible for anyone else to be the wide receiver one in Dynasty other than CeeDee Lamb. It's like, oh, well, but he's so svelte. He's uh, skinny. What? What was the BMI for Jerry Rice coming out of uh, Southeast or Southwest, Missouri State? What was it? What was it? Was it Valley State? I think it was like Mississippi Valley State. Was that it? It was one of those. It was a Southeast or a Southwest or a Valley. It was something. It wasn't just Mississippi State. It was a small school. I'm going to go Mississippi Valley State. Let's ask YouTube. Is that right? I don't have it in front of me. Mississippi Valley State, maybe. No one cares. They just want to mock our projections or talk shit of some kind, ask for a start set advice at the same time, of course. No one's actually here to engage. But the wide receiver one, according to some, is already DK Metcalf, right? DK Metcalf. And it is true, finally, someone on YouTube, like YouTube forgets that I'm actually paying attention because most of them are so useless and I would never even surface anything they have to say on the show because their content is not worthy of being shared with the world. And that that's 99.9% of the comments on YouTube. So they just forget that I'm even paying attention. But yes, I am paying attention. And we do have uh, Cobra Kai's back. Cobra Kai's back on YouTube confirms it is Mississippi Valley State. That was my final answer. That was my final answer. Again, I don't have anything in front of me. Look at nothing. Nothing. Right? I know some of you could see, you know, in previous shows in my sunglasses, you could see the reflection. You could see there's a computer in front of me. But no, there's no computer. Wait, wait, well, how are you seeing? How, how are you? Where's How are you seeing what's on YouTube? Ah, <laughs> fair enough. But I'm not just like Googling. Look, my hands are up here. I'm not just Googling. I don't know. I I think, yes, it was Mississippi Valley State. I was right. Because I'm, you know, I know things. And it's not DK Metcalf. Not yet. Not yet. DK Metcalf was not as productive 
at the college level as C.D. Lamb. He's certainly not productive as a rookie, right? So he's a sophomore. A sophomore, the bar is much higher for sophomore production as opposed to rookie production. So I mean, you can't even compare what D.K. Metcalf is doing this year to what C.D. Lamb is doing as a rookie. Come on now. Come on, man. So the question is, though, and it's a fair question, how high does D.K. Metcalf rise up the rankings? Ooh, he's already top five in the Dynasty rankings. How many other Dynasty services have Metcalf and Lamb in the top five already? Probably not many because most of them are still <laughs> posting their rankings from September. And they're trying to get their analysts that they consolidate into their composite rankings to actually submit their updated rankings, but these guys aren't that interested, and so they might do it every month, and then it lags, and then uh, you get dominated in trades. Not so on playerprofiler.com. And it's CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb is just elevating himself to a place where he's now levitating. Like he was, he was elevated. Now he's he's levitating up the rankings. Like he's rising so fast, and he's starting to overtake some of these running backs. But normally, you would never see a wide receiver ranked ahead of some of these running backs in dynasty. But you're gonna start seeing Ceedee Lamb really, really rocket ship up these rankings. But there's gonna be DK Metcalf. Like he's gonna be also, you know, on his jetpack. But he just is. I don't see him catching CeeDee Lamb. Maybe it's possible, man. It's listen. We've seen a lot of things, right? We've seen a lot of things this year already. Travis Fulgham, I doubt it. Oh, stay tuned, right? Stay tuned for that. Let's stay tuned. We'll stay tuned and we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see it now that it's this competition for the Dynasty Wide Receiver 1 between Metcalf and Lamb. And if a service doesn't have these two at 1-2, I don't know what they're doing. They're not focusing on the right details. They're, 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 they're still discounting five years of production in their prime. At least, at least, in in the case of CeeDee Lamb, he's seven years younger than a Michael Thomas and a Devontae Adams. It's a lot of years. How could you you have them still ranked below Adams and Thomas after they've shown Lamb and Metcalf that that they are for real? Like, it's over. They're for real. And as I mentioned, zero RB is absolutely killing it. And shame on anyone who had the draft kit and is somehow not competitive in their fantasy league i don't know how that's possible because the draft kit emphasized at every step of the way robust rb you couldn't even go robust wide receiver following the draft it would have been impossible like we just we we just made sure that the drafts everyone executed skewed toward robust rb and just drafting off the draft kit going into this weekend i was number two in pros versus joes overall of course, number one in my league, but overall among a hundred mostly experts, number two behind just Evan Silva. And Evan Silva went robust RB in a number of leagues as well. And the only other expert league that I joined that was a traditional league, you know, single quarterback, was the Action Network draft. And I was near the top of that league as well, even without Saquon Barkley, because robust RB is very much an anti-fragile strategy. So if you look at the top running backs, it's Kamara, Cook, Elliott, Jones, Carson, just the top five running backs were all drafted in the first three rounds. Then you have Jacobs, Davis, Hunt, James Robinson, Mixon, Gurley, Edwards Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor. At this point, all these running backs were drafted in the first three rounds with the exception of Hunt, who was a proper zero RB back. I mean, I, I give 
these zero RB drafters credit. Some of you have Hunt, and that's great. And Nick Chubb was also hurt. So Nick Chubb was hurt. You have Hunt. Congratulations, you got Hunt. Right? So if we, we think about robust RB being running back selected in the top 50, and then zero RB backs being selected in pick 51 through 150, that's 100 slots where a zero RB back could be picked. And yet most of the running backs that I'm listing here don't fall in that zone because after Jonathan Taylor, it's Jarek McKinnon. He was going after that. Miles Garrett, after that. David Montgomery. Oh, David Montgomery, zero RB. You got David Montgomery. Hey, he's scoring a couple touchdowns. Nice job. (laughs) David Montgomery and Kareem Hunt, maybe, maybe. Best case scenario, right? Darrell Henderson, another zero RB back. Right, good job there. Did you start him last week? No. So you got Darrell Henderson, but you didn't start him. Oh, did you start him the previous? Did you start him last week? Yeah, you started him in week four, where he gave you nothing. You didn't start him in week three, when he dwarfed Malcolm Brown's production, and then he went off last week on your bench. So you drafted Darrell Henderson, but you never actually got anything from him yet. <laughs> this is the this is just the curse of zero RB. It's so funny. <laughs> And Melvin Gordon, Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones, you're getting some empty calorie touches from Ronald Jones, right? A lot of targets, not a lot of catches because of the damn it, Ronald, and not a lot of touchdowns. So you're getting a lot of touches, though. I mean, if you got fantasy points for touches, Ronald Jones would be amazing. Oh, James Conner. Antonio Gibson, zero RB back. So good job on Antonio Gibson. Uh, Then David Johnson, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb. So we're seeing five running backs, Gibson, Jones, Henderson, Montgomery, and Hunt. That's best case scenario. That's best case scenario, drafting a running back in slot 50 through 150. And this is a guy who loved Chase Edmonds, right? Chase Edmonds was one of my favorite picks because just because you went robust RB, you weren't precluded from drafting running backs late. In robust RB, you draft a lot of running backs early and a lot of running backs late. So we were also drafting a Chase Edmonds and Damian Harris and Antonio Gibson and Joshua Kelly and Jarek McKinnon. So I'm right there with you, right, with some of these late-round running backs. But it's just that that no-man's land. Right, that the frozen pond where it, they look solid, but it just the ice cracks and then you fall. Because I, I didn't list Devin Singletary. Where is he? Where's, where's Raheem Mostert? I didn't, I didn't see him in that list. I didn't, I, I you know, he got hurt. Right, he got hurt. But yep, yeah, so did Saquon Barkley. He's not on that list. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's on that list. And in a healthy world where all the players are healthy, those guys would have been top of that list. So even with these guys getting hurt, zero RB doesn't work. You, you, you needed to pick up Mike Davis, but the problem is robust RB drafters are bidding just as aggressively on free agent running backs as zero RB drafters. So you still had a 1 in 12 chance of getting Mike Davis. So, eh, eh. Don't love it. Don't love your chances. And I don't love the chances for Chase Edmonds to break out as long as the Cardinals continue to run their team like the Lions. At some point, at some point, we, we need to start holding the Cardinals accountable. Cliff Kingsbury does not look like the innovative offensive mind that he was sold to be. And look no further than this Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, 
3.69 yards per touch. Chase Edmonds, more than six yards per touch. And yet, who's getting the opportunities out of that backfield? It's predominantly Kenyon Drake. I mean, on his first touch of the game, Chase Edmonds, boom, for a touchdown. And it's like, he scored a 29-yard run. Or was it a catch? I don't remember. Who cares? It doesn't matter. That, that's what he does. He's a better, more versatile, more explosive playmaker. It was a run. It was a run. The first run of the game by Chase Edmonds went for a 29-yard touchdown. So they, they keep feeding Drake, and it's 3.3 yards per carry yesterday. But And then they give, they give the ball to Edmonds once, and it's a 29-yard touchdown. And it's like, how? How? Edmonds has a better yards per reception. I mean, I'll give Drake this. He does have a 100% catch rate. He's caught all of those six targets. I mean, congratulations. He's caught, hey, 100% catch rate for Kenyon Drake. And that was one of those names. So the very few running backs that were drafted in the top 50 that have not been hurt, that have not delivered. That's one of the reasons why we go robust RB. The running back and receiver injury rate was about equal now. It was more heavily skewed to wide receivers early in the season, but now with the the Chubb injury and the Eckler injury, now it's it's back into balance. We've come back into balance. The inj- the top fifty injuries between running backs and receivers, but the running backs that are getting the touches and are healthy that were drafted in the top fifty, they're all delivering w- with one glaring exception, Kenyon Drake, who just happens to be the one top running back, early round running back that we were not drafting at all. It was a complete stay away. And Chase Edmonds is 205 pounds. Chase Edmonds is the same size with a similar athletic profile to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So if the Chiefs can ride Edwards-Hilaire, the Cardinals can ride Chase Edmonds. And it, 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 I would say it's only a matter of time. I would, I would say it's only a matter of time, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I Nothing surprises me anymore. I always say, oh, it's only a matter of time before the Eagles turn to Travis Fulgham. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. As if. Oh, they actually did it. Whoa, the NFL did something smart? Someone on an NFL team has playerprofiler.com? I'm impressed. I'm surprised. Right? I'm always surprised when I see that. It's never, it's never assumed that they have any idea what they're doing. Just ask Mike Davis. Ask Mike Davis how savvy NFL player personnel are. Ask the 28-year-old Mike Davis, who's finally getting an opportunity after all these years just kicking around practice squats, right? Just ask him. They don't know anything. 49ers are officially turning into a pumpkin. That's observation number 9, 10, 11. NFL defenses are fleeting. This is just reaffirmed with the San Francisco 49ers defense. And it was a dead giveaway when they trade DeForest Buckner and, oh, we're going to replace him in the draft. Well, slow down. You're replacing him with a rookie. You're replacing a pro bowler with a rookie. You just with the Lions. Oh, we're going to let Darius Slay. But hey, hey, Darius Slay's gone. No problem. We're bringing in Akuda. And Jeff Akuda is one of the lowest ranked cornerbacks in the league. He's outside the top 100 cornerbacks on the player profile or cornerback rankings. So, no, you can't replace a top 10 guy like Slay and with a guy in the draft and think a rookie's going to give you the production of a veteran. That's not how it works. I mean, Yes, in the case of CeeDee Lamb, yes. Most football players aren't CeeDee Lamb. Jeff Okuda, not CeeDee Lamb, okay? And the guy that the 49ers drafted, he's good, right? I, I think I, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He looked great, right? But, I mean, 
DeForest Buckner. Come on now. Come on. I mean, I thought it was a great pick, right? Javon Kinlaw, excellent pick, right? The Raiders picking Henry Ruggs over Javon Kinlaw and Tristan Wirfs was an atrocity. It was awful. But to think that you can just one-for-one replace, like, your key pass rusher and your, you know, quarterback pressure specialist, no, no, you can't. So that was a dead giveaway. The 49ers were an overdrafted defense in fantasy football, and you start playing more offenses against the 49ers, and that was our clever move heading into week five is, hey, play Parker and Gusecki. That's a way to get leverage on the field. It just so happens that the guy that produced the most fantasy points in that passing game was neither Parker nor Gusecki. And, and that that perfectly encapsulates week five. Right? Week five didn't go our way. Look no further than Preston Williams outscoring both Parker and Gusecki. I think scoring more than both Parker and Gusecki combined, or at least very close. And I think that it, you need to buy high on Preston Williams because, yes, he's undrafted. And I think that what I, if I talked to Nate List, it would be, no, 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 he's undrafted, you know, sell these guys. And maybe you did. Maybe maybe you traded high and, 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 and dumped Preston Williams after the torn ACL. And if you did, congratulations. But I think you buy back in to Preston Williams because it takes time. You let a guy have four weeks to get reacclimated and to get confident in that knee, the strength of that knee and the stability of that knee. And then you can go get him. So this is incredibly encouraging. I think that was the most encouraging. I mean, encouraging week for CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, Travis Fulgham, Chase Claypool, and Preston Williams. Preston Williams, big, big, big week. Congratulations. And Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, Brandon Cooks, back from the dead. Back from the dead. We thought he might be dead, but he's back, right? He was running all the routes and dropping targets. And then a funny thing happened. He running all the routes last week and was targeted even more and fewer drops. And when a guy has that speed at 27 years old, he's not going to lose the four, three wheels. And that was what I wrote about in my plays of the week email. So all our subscribers, they get an email every Friday plays of the week. And we wrote up Brandon cooks and why this is a nice week to play. Brandon cooks as a contrarian play in tournaments because we wanted to play Watson And how do you play Watson? You can play Watson with Cooks. You can play Watson with Cobb. You can play Watson with Fuller. You're playing with Fuller everywhere. But then it's like, oh, well, you know, Aikens is questionable. And then he was inactive. And then you could pivot to Fells or, right? So it's not a lot of great options. You don't really want to play David Johnson. He just doesn't have the juice. So it's like, okay, Watson, Fuller, and Cobb, eh, that's kind of like David Johnson. Randall Cobb's really the David Johnson of wide receivers. Eh, you really kind of wanted to play Cooks, and it, it came through. It That was the one lineup that really hit for us. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, Will Fuller, DJ Chark, Brandon Cooks, George Kittle, Devontae Parker, Cowboys defense. That was a great lineup, and unfortunately it was on FanDuel. <laughs> So we're never going to know how good it really was. Oh, well, that's just, that's the week, right? Hey, your best lineup. Oh, it was on FanDuel. Okay. And uh, is this week over yet? Okay. Week's over. Thanks very much. Go to hell week five.
And it's like, no, man, no, not Brandon Powell. Get him out of there. You got to add Fulgham. 